0: Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography Podcast. Today, my guest is Sequoia Satori. She is a sacred sexuality coach and the co-founder of Tribal Lights. How are you doing today, Sequoia?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you, Brad. How are you?
0: I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today and share a bit about your story and your journey with us here today. I appreciate you and appreciate you taking the time to be here.
1: Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. I'm really looking forward to... Looking forward to chatting.
0: Well, let's jump right in then. So, Sequoia, you're a certified kundalini yoga teacher and active meditation facilitator a sacred sexuality coach and the co-founder of Tribal Lights. What is the difference between kundalini yoga and your regular run-of-the-mill yoga?
1: Yeah, so yoga, this is a common misunderstanding. A lot of people think yoga is just the physical poses, but actually that's just one limb of eight different limbs that consist of yoga. So the physical poses are asanas, and where hatha yoga or vinyasa might focus more on these asanas, kundalini focuses more on the awakening of your own inner awareness and consciousness. And so, yeah, all different forms of yoga actually stem from tantric principles. Okay. And the idea of all these different practices is to really help you live your fullest life.
0: Okay. So is there, is there yeah. poses involved in kundalini as well, but it's just more about the awakening of the mind?
1: Yeah. So uh, okay. Kundalini will focus. I mean, there there are poses, but there's also mantras. There's different breath work. Yeah. There's different chants as well. Okay. And, and the idea basically, so Kundalini energy is the visualization that's often used is like this dormant snake coiled at the base of the spine. Okay. And the idea is through these different breathing techniques, poses, chants, basically that you're like activating this dormant snake energy so that it can rise up your middle channel, your Uh Sushumna channel, rise up through the different chakras and actually help you experience awakening. So there's a a story in Hinduism that basically explains where Kundalini energy comes from. And it's the story of Shiva and Shakti. So Shiva being the divine masculine energy and Shakti Uh being the divine feminine energy. And the story goes that Shiva, who is sort of the source of power, and consciousness was in deep meditation for thousands of years. And basically Shakti was, you know, wanting to get his attention and was dancing for him. And eventually he noticed her. And once he did, they came together in harmonious union and her divine energy with his ability to, to create together, they were able to create all of life. And so it was almost like a creation story in Hinduism. So where these uh, okay. two, two forces joined and, and yeah, that's, so that's what the Kundalini energy is. It's, Uh, it's bringing the one energy up and bringing Yeah. So that, that your own consciousness can, can expand and become aware.
0: Well, thank you for clarifying that. Yeah.
1: Thanks for, (laughs) it's a great story.
0: Why did you decide to become certified as a Kundalini yoga teacher, as opposed to regular yoga and what inspired you to become a yoga teacher?
1: Yeah. uh, Well, so my, Journey. I mean, we'll have to, well, I'm sure we'll, we'll answer this later on, but you know, I, I initially got into yoga for the physical benefits. So just as a form of, as a form of exercise. And then I, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of someone who is on like constantly seeking and I enjoy diving deeper into things and getting to the root of things. And Mm -hmm. I realized that, yeah, that there was this incredible, Power of of yoga, but especially during the points of meditation uh, and you know at the end shavasana, where, where you really just feel very blissed out after having done all these different exercises. And you know, I started practicing breath work and started practicing other active meditations, uh-huh. and had a moment of my own kundalini awakening, where where I just experienced this yeah intense rush of energy. And once I found out actually what that was, that it was a Kundalini awakening, then I became really intrigued um, and wanting to learn more about that. At the same time, my interest in tantra developed and I realized that yeah, there's there is a link between these two. And yeah, I decided to to really learn the essence and elements of Kundalini energy and, and kundalini okay. yoga specifically as a path for my own spiritual journey.
0: Okay. I don't
1: necessarily teach Kundalini yoga but I use it in my teachings with sacred
0: spirituality. Uh, Okay. So what is an active meditation facilitator?
1: Uh, So active meditation, the term itself became popularized with the, with this famous semi-famous guru uh, named Osho. Uh, You might've seen, uh, there was a, a little documentary about him, docu-series on Netflix called Wild Wild Country. Unfortunately, it was focused on a lot of the scandals around this commune that he had created in Oregon back in the the late 70s. But his teachings and principles were actually quite unique in the sense that a lot of people, the way they view meditation, it's, you know, you need to just come and sit down in stillness and, you know, just clear your mind and, and, you know, not have any thoughts and, and you just need to just need to meditate that way. And, and it's almost like you're, you start, Almost getting into a battle with your mind because every time a thought comes up, you know, you're like resisting it and you don't yeah. want to think and you're trying to be present and it's just not not working. <laughs> and so <laughs> but I think a lot of people experience this. Mm-hmm. And so active meditation and specifically the different meditations that Osho taught were practices where you would move all the energy from the body out first. So especially in today's day where we have so much technology, so much stress, so many other things on our minds, it's very difficult for people to just come into that stillness. So doing things like, you know, like shaking, for example, if you just Mm -hmm. put on, you know, put on some sort of trance or sort of drum, strong drumming music and just like allow your body to shake for a while and then allow yourself slowly to come into stillness and then slowly from there come into meditation You'll find yourself in a much more relaxed state, basically by allowing the body to move and uh, release any kind of tension or anxiety or or other energy that might be stored up. And so, actually, the yoga asanas, the practice of of these different postures, initially were to prepare the body for meditation, for sitting in meditation. So, so it's yeah. So basically, active meditation is allowing you yourself to come into that still meditation, uh-huh. but really creating. Different, different exercises and, and different movements that, that will get you...
0: To prepare you. in a
1: me- Yeah, and get okay. you in a meditative state much easier and more okay. quickly.
0: Now, I didn't even know this was a thing, but what <laughs> is sacred sexuality coaching? And what do you yeah. coach people on? Like, what is it?
1: Yeah, so sacred sexuality... Well, you could say that it's Tantra, okay. except Tantra is a very misunderstood word. A lot of people think that it is just about different crazy positions (laughs) in sex and, and that, you know, yeah, it's all about making love for many hours or days on end. And, and, you know, that's, that's really the way Tantra has been exported in the West. Traditionally though, Tantra was kind of like an umbrella path. Uh, It's, it's a path of viewing every part of life as divine. So you could be practicing Tantra while eating a really nice meal. You Mm -hmm. could be practicing it while, going for a walk in nature and just really absorbing all the sights and sounds and smell and being fully present in the moment, technically that could, you know, that is also Tantra. Tantra's evolved over time into, there's two paths. Well, there was a left-hand path and a right-hand path. The right-hand path was more of the, a little more conservative. So the practice of Tantra on the right-hand path was focused more on the path of devotion, mantras, and and they kind of excluded sex. Mm -hmm. Left-hand path included sex as a divine channel, as a a technique for meditation as well, as a pathway to also reaching more enlightened states. Today, this left-hand path has now been also subdivided into white Tantra and red Tantra, where red Tantra is really fully immersing oneself in that sexual energy and white tantra is doing other practices like kundalini yoga where the sexual energy isn't removed but it's it's welcome in the space and so so sacred sexuality coaching the reason i use that term is because it's really focused so you could say red tantra except there's almost too much of a focus on sex it's like only sex sacred sexuality is is more about incorporating the divine into your sexual experience and really viewing it as a fundamental part of life and, you know, working through the different shame and trauma and stigma that a lot of people inherently have when they, yeah, a lot of people just inherently have, it, it, you know, through our conditioning, through the way, you know, even children are spoken to, you know, a lot of kids will, you know, will touch their, their bodies and they might yeah. touch their genital areas yeah. and, and, you know, adults or parents will say, oh, no, you can't do that. You yeah. can't do that in public or you know, this is a you know, this is a place of shame and you can only, you know, only do that in private. Mm-hmm. And, and so from a young age you know, we we start internalizing these messages that that sex is something to be kept hidden and um, and basically yeah, uh, sacred sexuality coaching is, is really helping people uncover what kind of beliefs they have, what kind of triggers they might have and, and really help to reframe all of that. And yeah, just be more present and and intentional with their experiences. Interesting.
0: Why do you (laughs) think that Tantra has been twisted here in the West then into such a thing around sexuality? Because when I first heard that word years ago, that's exactly what you described is what I, what I associated with it, that it's being able to have sex for hours on end, and, and, this and this and this. Why do you think that this has happened? Why has the Western world twisted it so much into this meaning behind it, as opposed to what the true meaning is? Do you think?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I feel like there would be a few different reasons. Mm-hmm. One is that you know, sex sells, and yeah. <laughs> you know, that's it's kind of a you know, on a cover of a magazine. If you can tell someone, oh, hey, you know have sex for days yeah. and <laughs> you know using tantra like that's that's going to attract more attention another reason i would think is is because of the way we've evolved in the western world or i should say not all of the west but maybe north america more specifically mm-hmm. to have kind of a puritan mindset around sex and sexuality right. and so because it has been stigmatized and because tantra is a path that especially yeah red tantra because it does accept all of life whereas like most religions will tell you you know you have to abstain from different different worldly pleasures in order to reach enlightenment (laughs) i think that's why it kind of got this bad reputation Uh yeah i and then also also because leading a tantric path does require a level of awareness and intentionality and presence, you know, there's, there's also, yeah, even if you are coming together with another person, mm-hmm. you, I, as mentioned, you can practice it alone, you can practice yeah. it, you know, doing all kinds of different activities, or not doing any activity. Right. But when coming with another person, you know, you're, you're bringing this different energy of, of reverence and respect, you're, you're, you know, honoring them as, as a divine creation, you know, and it's, it's two sacred beings coming together as opposed yeah. to, yeah, as opposed to something that's just like, you know, a stress relief or <laughs>
0: pure Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: So how long have you been doing this and how did you discover there was a need for it?
1: Yeah, I have been, let's see. My initial journey with it would have begun about eight years ago, but actually teaching and practicing was about five years ago. And so I discovered there was a need from it also just because of my own upbringing and mm-hmm. experiences yeah, with sex, basically. Right. I- you know, I was raised in a Catholic household in a Catholic school. There we school. go. That says it all. Uh-huh. <laughs> right there. Yeah. But yeah, in, in, you know, in the Catholic faith and, and I, you know, many religions, women are put into two categories either, you know, the virgin or the whore. Yeah. And sexual education as well was purely, you know, purely based on anatomy. You know, yeah. this is, you know, here's an ovary, there's a, you know, yeah. a fallopian tube. And this is, you know, this is what's going to happen. And basically abstinence is the, <laughs> is the only <laughs> thing you need to know. Exactly. And, and so there was no, yeah, but there was no empowering conversations that were ha- being had, especially for women, you know? Yeah. So what I found my very first boyfriend, we were at the age of 14, mm-hmm. you know, and most, I think a lot of, of teenage boys, especially today with, with the internet, a lot of teenage boys are learning about sex from porn. Yeah. And, you know, teen girls, maybe they're picking up a, uh, you know, cosmopolitan yeah. magazine, which is also really focused on male pleasure. Right. And so there isn't a discussion about, you know, what feels good in your body. Mm-hmm. What does, you know, what does consent look like? What does a full yes look like? And also, yeah, also learning, you know, learning what brings you pleasure because at the end of the day, you know, in order to really experience full pleasure with someone else, you know, you need to be able to, to self-source your your pleasure. Exactly. Exactly. You need to know what makes you tick. And you also need to know what, yeah, what feels good, what doesn't. And I found myself in too many situations where, yeah, where I just wasn't equipped with the proper tools to, to really clarify my boundaries, to know what, what I wanted. I was also, you know, confused, you know, this is a first boyfriend. Oh, okay. You know, I want him to like me. Oh, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to step over. You know what feels comfortable yeah. just because you know I, I don't even know, like yeah, and you know they don't even teach any any practices of safe sex in in yeah, Catholic schools, right. so so yeah, you're well because you're, you're not supposed to of-
0: have sex before you're married, right exactly that's only for exactly.
1: exactly so so you leave you know entire generations of <laughs> entire groups of, of kids completely unprepared for. Yeah.
0: To figure or, it out on their own. Here you go, figure exactly,
1: it out. Exactly, exactly. Because we're not so, teaching you. <laughs> exactly. And not even that we're not, yeah, we're not teaching the basics, but also we're not teaching how to honor and value ourselves yeah, and that's right. each other. So, Which
0: is a huge, huge part Huge,
1: of it. exactly, exactly.
0: Now, I know through previous conversation with you that your journey started off very traditionally in terms of Doing the job that everyone thinks you should have, achieving success through that job. You were a stockbroker in Paris, France. So money in that industry, I'm I'm just because I didn't come from that industry, but I'm going to assume here money equals material equals success. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how long did you work in that world?
1: Yeah, it's um, it's very interesting. When I was 16, I think, I picked up a copy of the Seven Habits of Highly Effective Teens. And, you know, I was working on all my goals and, and I had my vision board. And the way that I visualized my my life, my future mm-hmm. life, was all completely material focused. You know, there was right. a corner office, there was designer outfits and clothes yeah. and, you know many homes <laughs> with, <laughs> with pools. And, you know, it was, it was all about status and fame and success, mm-hmm. or that's how I define success. And yeah, I, I got this job in, in France at a stockbroker granted I was in the marketing department. So, you know, slightly less intense than the, you know, the traders or the yeah. salespeople, yeah. but, but yeah, it, it just something felt empty and, you know, I was spending all this time and energy, basically just making a bunch of wealthy, mostly men, more wealthy. And, uh, yeah, I had the opportunity to go to India with a friend, got to discover the country and, and, you know, or at least a small part of it and, and just really, you know, was really intrigued by, by the way of life there. And so I went back on a second visit on my own to an ashram in the South and, it was in that ashram during the daily meditations i had this sudden moment of well that's essentially when i would have had my kundalini awakening experience right. this the sudden rush of energy this realization of of just the full present moment and and like full realization that i the way i had been defining myself was i was not my body i was not my job like i all of a sudden i, I just i wasn't identifying with with this 3d world anymore wow. and so so I came back to France, and and that disconnect just t- started increasing more and more over time. My personal life and my uh, sort of outer life and my inner life were were more and more in conflict. Yeah. And so, so yeah, that that's <laughs> that was basically the start of it. And then there was a moment that that really kind of catalyzed everything. Yeah. And it was it was from that moment onwards that I I just took a radical shift in life.
0: Wow. Now Mm -hmm. I come from a corporate background and I've seen, and even now still that mindset and the behavior of the old boys club mentality and that women should only be at a certain level and not equal pay for women doing the same job as their male counterparts or not enough women in C-suite level positions in these corporations. And of course, it's a horrible, horrible occurrence and mindset. And it's been going on for years and years, but we don't live in the forties anymore. Like it's, it's time to shift that mindset and that way of thinking and yeah we're starting to see a little bit of a shift i think that i think more women like yourself are waking up or having awakenings or just realizing you know what fuck this i'm not doing this this isn't who i am i'm not waiting around to get to that position i'm gonna fucking create my own world i'll become my own ceo i've had enough of this bullshit of being kept down by men and just jumping up and taking taking control of their lives can you speak to some of the adversity that you faced in your career in that world and how you dealt with it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, the first um, memory that comes to mind is my second week on the job at the stockbroker, where I was walking through the trading floor, and as I was walking walking past because I had to go talk to a salesperson, all the traders started barking at me and barking, barking like dogs, oh. and. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, this is, I'm, you know, 21 year olds, fresh faced Canadian in France, like, you know, just, it felt, it felt like Wolf of Wall Street, very, very, very backwards, especially in terms of uh, gender equality, especially yeah. in the workforce and this kind of behavior. I mean, you know, that was not uncommon. Yeah. I had other colleagues as well, you know, other, other female Colleagues who you know they might have someone you know put a hand on them for a little too long or or kind of like a little too low on the back or wow. you know there was a guy that would regularly flip women's skirts in what? in the hallways yeah no I'm not even joking and this is you know this is mid two thousands like Holy yeah two thousand and eight two thousand nine yeah it's it was it was pretty bad I mean I think you know. Hopefully it's gotten a little better now, but but yeah, it was it was quite quite Wolf of Wall Street at the time. And I remember I went to talk to HR and they just said, Ah, you're you're being too American. (laughs) Are you
0: fucking kidding me?
1: (laughs) No. (laughs) So so on that level, you know, that kind of shut me down in that realm quite early in that workplace. But it also sparked this intense desire to you know, I realized just how unjust and unfair this was, and I, I was really angry. And so, I, I that propelled me to educate myself more on different issues around gender equality yeah. and, and feminism, and and all of this. Yeah, I and I, you know, like what you said, you know, there there was definitely a glass ceiling for for a lot of the women, especially yeah. in that industry. I mean, already it was it was a very male dominated. World, for sure. But there's, there's one thing I think that needs to change is that is that we women especially we're trying to and, and you know this this came with the feminist movement. It was like you know we wanted the same rights as men, but therefore in order to have that we had to start essentially behaving the same way as men. So in a very linear way, you know, with goals, with objectives, with you know, kind of a dog eat dog, cutthroat competition yeah. in order to to reach levels of success. But the thing is, of course, with, you know, being a, another gender, a woman who was too ambitious or too vocal, you know, <sighs> then she would be labeled all these a different names. And this, exactly, yes, exactly. Or she's, yeah. So that isn't quite working out for us. There is a beautiful trend right now where leaders are seeing that, you know, collaboration, is is actually really great for the yeah. bottom line, and and having a strong team culture and having work environments that are flatter and you know more team based. So we're seeing evidence that 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 is actually more profitable for businesses, and attributes like collaboration are really much, very much a feminine energy. So naturally, I think there is a bit of this movement towards yeah towards valuing what what a woman or, or the feminine energy that, that could be brought into the workplace. But essentially, one thing that I really advocate, especially for women is to work with their natural flows and cycles. Uh-huh. So a woman's menstruation cycle, it has four distinct phases. So, and they can almost be seen like the different seasons in right. the year. So menstruation itself would be like winter. It's a, it's a time to, you know, be really quiet and go inwards. then ovulation, for example, is like summer, that's actually a really great time to, yeah, to pitch an idea to get a photo shoot done to mm-hmm. launch, launch a new campaign. Um, and so whereas menstruation would be the time to really like, allow creativity and inspiration to come through, you know, focus on, on, um, yeah, do the business plans and that kind of stuff and, and really, really visualizing. So, so actually, you know, women need to work in different ways than men and, and we need to learn as a society as a whole to value both of those. So not to expect women to play, you know, play a game that has essentially been created by men for, you know, for men, but to, to create more understanding and more appreciation for what all, genders, all energies can bring into the, the, workplace. the workplace yeah, or any space really. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Not just a workplace for sure. How did overcoming the adversity fuel your drive and your passion for the work you do now?
1: Yeah. So as mentioned, just experiencing that first little bit of harassment in the workplace really, yeah, really got me angry enough to <laughs> to want to take action and to want to educate myself and to want to understand you know because growing up in Canada I, I didn't notice it as much I didn't notice as much inequality of course you know maybe it would have been different in the workplace later on but mm-hmm. but at least you know in my early years I didn't notice it as much yeah so so experiencing that yeah really Really help fuel that initial almost stereotypical angry feminist energy, but then through my journey, I've I've been able to actually transform and and transcend that energy into more of an empowered feminine energy. Where, you know, instead of instead of saying, okay, well, it's it's all the patriarchy's fault, and you know, I I want you know (laughs) these are my demands (laughs) really (laughs) really just being able to say well actually you know what i'm operating differently and and what i have to contribute is equally as important and equally as beautiful and i can be in my power and be in my feminine without necessarily having to you know play the same the same game." game yeah yeah exactly
0: now, you're now on a very different journey, which you have spoke about, and you've <laughs> transformed your own personal trauma and struggles into empowerment. Can you speak to us a bit about your own personal trauma that you've dealt with and that led you now onto your current path?
1: Yeah, it was when I was 27. So it was about six years, six, seven years into my career at this stockbroker as mentioned, you know, my there was an increasing divide between my inner world and my outer world. And, you know, I was kind of staying in that world just because it was comfortable and I didn't really know what to do next. But yeah, it was it was October of that year and I went to London for a friend's birthday. And basically, in a nutshell, I experienced rape at that party. And initially I didn't quite process what had happened to me. I, I was unable to fully articulate or fully understand that that's what it was mm-hmm. and my initial response was well I, I you know I, I told uh, two of the girls that were at the party and and one of them just said oh well you know these things happen oh my best gosh. to let it go right because she was a very good friend of, of the guy
0: who uh, of course
1: so yeah so I guess and she and I didn't know each other so well so you know she was Going to take his side, I don't know it's, it, it' it can be very complicated, but essentially i you know I kind of wrote it off because they say you know, when you experience a traumatic event, the first person you tell. Whatever their response is, is really going to have a huge impact on how you view the experience. So, so she said, Oh, you know, just let it go. So I was like, wow. okay, I'll, I'll just let it go. And so I, I tried to let it go. But what I found was that increasingly I was becoming more and more self-destructive. You know, I, I was just started taking a lot of different drugs and, and yeah. was just not really loving my body anymore. And yeah. Just feeling a lot of shame and, and also eating a lot more than, than I needed to be healthy. And yeah, just really let myself kind of spiral out until I I reached this really really low point, and then finally I just decided, okay, you know what, that's it. I quit the job and began essentially my deep inward. Journey and introspection. And so through a different series of events, I ended up moving to Berlin and that's where I discovered the Osho meditations Mm -hmm. and Osho as a teacher. So discovered active meditation. I also ended up going to, you know, Burning Man for the first time. And you know, you wouldn't expect it for (laughs) a festival like that, but actually it was, it was incredibly transformational for me, very transformative because uh, this is a bit of a side note, but because, because it is a space where so many different things are available and, and very accessible. And, you know, there's no real barrier. You can actually go and try a whole bunch of different things that you wouldn't normally try. So, nice. so I discovered things like ecstatic dance. I, you know, I did a breath work journey and I started discovering all these practices that I hadn't known about before. And one of them was also a women's circle. And, in that circle, we ended up talking about I think it was about you know our bodies or whatever and and it was in that moment I shared the experience that that I had had yeah. at this party at this event, and basically, you know basically the feedback that I got there was like you know you've been you know you've been raped like yeah. you know? <laughs> and and it was a huge moment of realization for me and yeah, and and basically helped begin my path of of healing.
0: Incredible. You wouldn't expect that at Burning Man. No, I know. (laughs) Something like that, that transformative. I I mean, I understand transformation will take place there, but something like that, you just wouldn't expect. Mm -mm. So how have these experiences helped shape the Sequoia you are today, do you think?
1: Well, I'd say they've helped me become a lot more clear and passionate about what I believe in and what I hold true, as well as they've helped me prioritize what is actually important in life. So, you know, even though I had the, you know, material success, and and I had, you know, a prestigious job and a nice neighborhood, and I, you know, was going to many beautiful places. and, And I, you know, I had all those things, I was able to see just how empty that world could be. And even though today, you know, I don't, I don't have as many <laughs> material things, and yeah, and and I'm spending my time very differently. I'm also feeling so much more content and fulfilled, and joyful in my life because I'm being of service to to other people, and and I'm seeing the transformation that they are experiencing, and and these light bulb moments, you know, because it's 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 like a series of small awakenings. I think you know the path to to enlightenment or to to consciousness to to awakening. I, I believe that it's it's many small awakenings in in the course of one's life and it could just be as simple as something someone something someone said or you know just a shavasana at the end of a yoga class or just a sudden realization when you're out in nature that you know wow that there is no separation and and it's all divine (laughs) you know and the mosquito is just as divine and beautiful as as the dolphin and yeah (laughs) yeah for sure
0: so you being i'm I'm assuming and i'm I think I'm fairly correct here you're you're a very big advocate of self love and body mm-hmm. positivity body acceptance and women's mm-hmm. empowerment can you speak a bit about what those things mean to you on a personal level
1: yeah uh, so body well self love and body positivity I think it's you know uh, on a personal level it's about for me it's about really being in harmony with my body and, and yeah, not, not being in conflict. Like when I think of all the years, you know, I, I spent a good number of years being bulimic and that was because, you know, I, I was at, I was at war with my body. I wasn't, I was trying to fit into some kind of mold that, you know, that was basically Photoshopped anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so yeah, it was, it was through, yeah, through this entire path, especially through, through even just yoga, really coming into more harmony and alignment with my body and, and just not, yeah, starting to eat foods that are actually nourishing mm-hmm. and really bringing a lot of awareness and intention around, yeah, around what I eat. And, uh, and I think for everyone, women, Especially learning to really, really just love what's there and to love and accept this vessel as it is because it, it is so precious and we only get to, I mean, it's so cliche, but you know, we only get to experience this life for a short time. So That's why right. would we be at conflict with ourselves and, you know, speaking negatively to ourselves or just feeling badly because, you know, we're maybe eating a bag of chips or a you know, tub of ice cream because we're sad (laughs) (laughs) and then feeling bad about it and then perpetuating this really bad cycle, like, you know, being able to to express our emotions in happy or in healthy ways. So that, you know, we're eating to fuel the body. It's, it's like if you see your body as a, as a car, like a really nice, you know, Lamborghini or something, mm-hmm. you, you want to give it the premium fuel. You don't yeah. want to be putting diesel in a Lamborghini. Yeah, so-, that's right. <laughs> so that's, that's a big part of it. Yeah. That's a big part of it. But then also, yeah, just changing the relationship, like understanding that, you know, that, that little area of belly fat under the belly button that most people have. But yeah, women especially will tend to be kind of a battle with this lower belly and and really wanting to, you know, starve themselves or exercise like crazy just to get rid of that, that little bit of fat. But actually, you know, our wombs are behind there. Yeah, You know, that's, that's, you know, we create life from that space. So why, why would we, you know, why would we, be a battle with it. Like it's, you know, we, we need a little bit of, of softness to protect our organs mm-hmm. and to protect our, our wombs. So For
0: sure. yeah, just reframing
1: yeah. things is really important.
0: A friend of mine says, treat your body like a temple, not a trash can.
1: Exactly. So, so, so good.
0: Speaking of empowerment, what does that word mm-hmm. mean to you?
1: So empowerment to me is, I'm going to choose my words very intentionally here. It's, a okay. uh, yeah, it's more than... It's more than just the things I mentioned before, you know, status or title or yeah. or money or, you know, it's, it's about really being in alignment. I think that that is actually the key word here is alignment where on all levels, like your, your deep self, your body, your mind, your life's work, everything is in this very harmonious direction and from that place of alignment, I think that's where you can find the most empowerment because you're not acting out of, out of trigger or, you know, out of a uh, desire to, you know, to meet some needs of the ego. You're, you're actually you're just so in alignment and so intentional and you know you're you're in your body fully and you you allow yourself to fully be present in this world and, and to such a degree that that everything is in a single direction and and that's where you can really feel that space of empowerment where where you feel just so good on every level <laughs> that <laughs> that you find your own inner power
0: i love it Now, you've said that it is now your mission or your purpose to help others achieve that same transformation that you did and inspire Mm -hmm. others to find their own unique expression in the world. Why have you decided to take this on and make it your own personal mission?
1: You know, that's something that I wish I had... Had when I was younger. I wish I, I had had a mentor or a teacher come into my life to help me to help me transcend and, and move through through all these different experiences. At the same time, you know, if I hadn't experienced all the things that I had experienced, I wouldn't be where I am today, and yeah. I wouldn't be in this position of being able to to help others. So I really feel and you know, I'm sure a lot of people feel this way, but but all of the different trials and traumas and triggers <laughs> that I've experienced are part of my life's purpose, and mm-hmm. that it was my purpose to to experience these things so that I could, you know, come out on the other side and, and help others, you know, help ease their their journey and their uh, transition into a path of more enlightenment and awakening
0: arrive at where you are today yeah they are, mm-hmm. they all are part and parcel of shaping who you are as an individual as a person absolutely what do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful
1: oh <laughs> that's a really good question one thing that i really value in myself is groundedness so even in this journey because a lot of people when they start experiencing um, more spiritual awareness or, or they just start, you know, maybe they've taken some psychedelics and they realize all is one and, you know, or or maybe they even just read the secret and the law of attraction and, you know, really think like, Oh, if I, if I just visualize it will come. And while that can all be partially true, all of it still needs to be grounded back into the 3d world. Mm -hmm. So you can't, you know, you can't be too far in the 5d experience of of manifesting and visualizing and and you know belief in oneness like you also mm. still have to be able to ground it in and and bring it into like very you know very tangible action steps so so yes you know you can experience moments of transcendence and moments of awakening and and you can feel you know extreme joy and liberation and all these beautiful you know extreme pleasure all these beautiful sensations but still also staying staying grounded and, and staying present and, you know, still treating your body well, still treating your, you know, your friends and your family and everyone well, and, and still showing love and compassion for everyone wherever they're at. So, yeah, say groundedness is my, <laughs> <it's> my superpower.
0: <laughs> so speaking of success, how do you define success now? I mean, I'm sure your definition of success has changed since leaving the world behind of the stock brokerage and whatnot. So what does that word mean to you now?
1: That's a beautiful question. Today, success is more about impact for me. So are my actions and are my words Having a positive impact on those around me, you know, if I'm say, you know, say, cause like I mentioned, I was in the marketing department of the stockbroker. Sure. Okay. I could have created a really great brochure or email campaign or, you know, website that maybe generated a lot of revenue, but did it leave a positive impact on on all those around me not necessarily you know it's a lot of trees printed and a lot of people that might have lost money and you know. yeah. so today it's it's more about like what you know so my partner and i with we started this nonprofit. you know we're really focused on yeah on on having a positive impact on people on on the planet on you know everything that we come in contact with so mm-hmm. so yeah for me success is about is about positive impact. And yeah. What
0: would you say is the most important thing you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after learning it?
1: Ooh. I'd say the most important thing is to, and this is still a very, very important message, is to accept the totality of everything. So to not only get caught up in one one desire or one mindset, because a lot of people are, you know, will have this idea of oh, you know, good vibes only, or we can only think positive thoughts, or you know, we can only focus on the good. Or some people might be the ext- opposite end, you know, they only focus on the negative. And you know, so for me, one of the key life lessons is really about accepting that everything has two sides. And just as important as, you know, the moon is just as important as the sun, the, the night as important as the day and, and really finding that balance in perspective and everything. And, you know, in the past, I might have seen anger, for example, as, as a negative, undesirable emotion. And so I just would try not to feel angry. But today, today, if I feel anger, you know, I, I'd say, you know, I'll tell my partner, for example, like, Hey, I'm feeling angry. I'm going to go beat up a pillow for a second. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I'll just, you know, and just move through it. And then yeah. I can come back into into presence and into balance. So, so yeah, really just finding that acceptance of all.
0: What would you say is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received?
1: Best piece of advice I ever received. Say it's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's that expression tomorrow's another day. And my interpretation of that is, you know, tomorrow's another opportunity. It's another chance, you know, so wherever you are today, it's, perfect it's okay and it's exactly as it should be and and tomorrow's another opportunity to you know to be just that much be that much better and Mm -hmm. that much more loving and that much more present
0: okay we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section so the next group of questions will just be one two three word answer type thing okay Okay, go (laughs) how would would you describe yourself in one word passionate if you could teach the world one thing what would it be self-love what's the first thing you notice about a person
1: their smile. The
0: first thing you think when I say the word future presence, what's one thing you want, but cannot buy with money
1: world peace.
0: (laughs) (laughs) If you could change one thing about the world, what would you change?
1: Awareness in brackets, the treatment of mother earth, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Okay. What's your favorite stress reducing activity?
1: Probably self-pleasure.
0: Okay. Aside from necessities, what's one thing you could not go without?
1: I am going to go without coconut ice cream.
0: That concludes our rapid fire section. Back to Perfect. our regularly scheduled program. <laughs> <laughs> what is the best version of you if you close your eyes and imagine it?
1: The best version of me, she's very present, loving, and fully embodied.
0: Beautiful. If you could sit down and have a one-hour conversation with anyone in the world, alive or dead, who would it be and why?
1: I'd probably say Simone de Beauvoir. Uh, she wrote... A very important text called "The Second Sex" and um, about the injustices she experienced as a woman. Uh, so I'd love to sit down with her and, and get her viewpoints and opinions.
0: Who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why?
1: Oh, definitely my mom. Just because she was and is still today a very independent and strong woman, and really, yeah, really taught me the value of, of taking care of myself.
0: Love it. If you could set up a billboard anywhere, where would you put it and what would it say?
1: It would be on somewhere that a lot of people see. <laughs> 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 and it would say, you were loved.
0: What is one of your favorite quotes?
1: That would be one from Osho. He says, it is through the body that you reach the divine. So really, yeah, really allowing the body to be and fully experience the, the physical world instead of trying to deny or or ignore it
0: if you could step into my shoes what would you have asked yourself that i didn't ask you
1: Mm. (laughs) i think you you did a pretty good job (laughs) yeah you did a great job actually (laughs) maybe how how people can get in touch
0: okay how can people get in touch with you (laughs)
1: <laughs> there you go. So yeah, people can find me on Instagram at Sequoia underscore Satori, as well as on Facebook, the same name, same name on my website. Yeah, that's essentially it. Sequoia Perfect. Satori.
0: If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be?
1: Oof, that would be to it wouldn't even it would be advice, but it would also be a practice of learning to feel into my body before making a decision or taking action. So, yeah, it would be a a practice. Yeah.
0: Lastly, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like?
1: It would sound like following. (laughs) What would it sound like? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I would tell whoever was listening that there's so much beauty around them and that all they need to do is just... Take a moment to, to be present with that beauty to go into nature and to, to really question what it is they want to be remembered for yeah, ask themselves what they want to be remembered for.
0: Sequoia, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today and share your story and your journey with me and take me on this journey with you. It's been an incredibly inspiring and interesting conversation and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here and be part of the Empowerography community. And I'm very proud and honored and happy to have you as a member of the Empowerography community.
1: Oh, Thank you so much, Brad. This is is a lot of fun. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast today. My guest has been Sequoia Satori. She is a sacred sexuality coach and the co-founder of Tribal Lights. Thank you so much, Sequoia. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day and a wonderful weekend.
1: You too. Thanks, Brad.